We are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we are grateful for your presence with us. Thanks so much, all of you who are waving to me on Facebook Live, trying desperately to wave back to you at the same time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we are actually going to be talking about beauty and aesthetics today. It's a marvelous conversation to have. Thankful for the opportunity to do so. A uh, good opportunity, of course, to give a Christian view of life and things, which is always our intention. Uh, Dr. Clyde Posley will be in in a little bit, and we are going to uh, emphasize uh, these kinds of good things from a Christian point of view. Let me just give you a kind of a rundown on what Comenius is all about. Comenius is, uh, covers three bridges or crosses three bridges into the Indianapolis community. We are always interested in our uh, crossing the bridge into college, helping Christian young people to think Christianly about the subjects that they are studying, and uh, actually going to be down on college campus again tomorrow. I'm teaching a class there called Reading, Writing, and Inquiry. Great class of young people. Uh, really happy to uh, be involved there with the faculty at IUPUI. And of course, uh, the opportunity, of course, then to meet with students on campus as well. Tomorrow's going to be a really busy day. I really love these kinds of days. Uh, where I've got it packed in, meeting people from right after class at 10.30 until past 6 o'clock at night. Really happy for the opportunity to be engaged this way uh, at the university campus at IUPUI. Uh, I have tremendous respect for the faculty there, world-class faculty. When you go through the Indianapolis airport and you see this, these signs that say um, this is one of the greatest teaching universities in, the, in America. This is truly uh, the case. Uh, I'm, I'm honored and humbled to be uh, among that particular faculty teaching classes there with them. The second bridge that we cross is into uh, the issue of community. And of course, our community crossing is done through venues such as this one, uh, where we are going to introduce Indianapolis and uh, the world, for that matter. We have uh, viewers from around the world, Asia and Europe and Africa, uh, places like that, uh, to folks around Indianapolis who are doing good, Christians who are doing good in Indianapolis. And we're grateful for the opportunity to do such things uh, with them. Uh, today we have Scott McElroy from New Restoration Movement, uh, which is introducing beauty and uh, aesthetics into the church. We're grateful for his presence. Dr. Clyde Posley will be pulling up here any minute as well, and we will give a biblical base for our conversation. So that's communities, and we're always looking for folks who are uh, committed to those kinds of things in and around Indianapolis. If you know somebody that you think ought to be on this show, uh, shoot me a message at cominiusinstitute.org or warpandwoof.org, or just send me a personal email, echo1957 at gmail.com, and I'll get right back to you, and we'll make sure that those things get out. The third bridge that we cross is into culture, and uh, we're constantly writing, uh, speaking, teaching on these kinds of ideas. Actually, we're going to begin a brand new uh, opportunity called First Friday Leaders, on the first Friday of every month, starting in October. We're going to go October through June every month. And uh, every month we're going to be sharing with you, Dr. Clyde Posley and myself, sharing with you the latest uh, in social science research as it relates to leaders. And this is going to be across the board. You don't have to be from any business, specific business, uh, civic, religious, educational organization. Anybody who's a leader in Indianapolis is invited to this. We're going to be doing it right across the street from our studio at the Bonner Center. Very excited about this. The opportunities that are there and here in the urban core at 2131 
East 10th Street. Come down and join us. And of course, you can always wave through our plate glass windows. You're always uh, welcome here. So those are the three bridges that we cross. And the third one, of course, as I mentioned, into culture. Uh, just another note on that. Uh, just received word that my uh, latest uh, journal, uh, peer-reviewed journal article has been accepted for publication. Looking forward to that. Got some final rewrites to do uh, middle of next month. But the title of that particular piece is The Theological Foundations for the Abolitionist Movement uh, during the Civil War period and uh, going to be inter interacting with some really great writers like Angelina Grimke and Frederick Douglass. So uh, be looking for those kinds of things and the opportunity to engage that as well. Uh, culture, uh, something else, one more thing I'll mention about culture, and that has to do with the class that I teach on Sundays, uh, starting the 9th of September, the Sunday after Labor Day. If anybody is all interested in joining us uh, at Crossroads Community Church on Southeastern Parkway, just about half mile, a mile, uh, past the hospital there, just off exit 210 on I-69. Uh, you'll be happy to uh, join us for that particular teaching. Uh, I'll be teaching an adult class there. There'll be 60, 70 folks there in that particular class. And this particular fall, I am teaching a course entitled Thoughtful Christians in Culture. That's Thoughtful Christians in Culture. And so uh, th the third bridge that Cominius crosses is into culture, and that uh, actual title engages that particular uh, term in it as well. We're grateful, of course, to have these opportunities. Uh, Cominius Institute serves the Indianapolis community in lots of venues, lots of ways. Uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to do this with folks here. You see our postings all the time. You see our new Truth in Two videos that have come out since May. Uh, we just have uh, a new one this last week. Uh, every Tuesday, you can count on a new Truth in Two coming out. It's a two-minute video. If you don't like video, you can read the text. We include that as well. We're really grateful uh, for the opportunity to do that with Josh Collingwood, uh, one of the great tech advisors in Indianapolis. Quite frankly, I'm just thrilled that Comenius uh, has him because uh, he is the one who keeps everything straight, keeps all of our websites going. Uh, he does a fantastic job. Just looked at the brand new documentary that's coming out uh, this fall. Uh, he showed me the preview. We went through the whole thing here this last week. And uh, it is fantastic. I'm just so thrilled to have the opportunity to introduce Indianapolis to folks around Indianapolis who are not only doing good, but uh, are saying uh, this is why Cominius exists. We're really grateful for the opportunity to have had that, that uh, word put out. We'll be uh, talking more about that this fall as well. Uh, just to kind of give you a heads up about... Uh, any kind of other issues as it relates to our websites, I highly recommend that you go to warpandwoof.org. That's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org. And those, uh, that particular website is giving you free and easy uh, access to everything and anything. There are over 1,000 podcasts, video teachings, uh, essays, uh, any kind of journal articles. Uh, use the search line that's there to look up words. Uh, there's all kinds of things available there for uh, the general public. Uh, highly uh, encourage folks to go there. And then, of course, our own website, ComeniusInstitute.org.com, 
is available to everybody as well, where we have the latest of all of the things that are going on, not only on campus, at the university campus of, at IUPUI, but also uh, through community connections that we have uh, down here at the Bonner Center and also uh, throughout uh, Indianapolis and the culture at large. So we're grateful for all of those of you who are joining us right now on Facebook. We're grateful for uh, the opportunity to share this particular episode having to do with beauty and aesthetics. You don't want to miss this. We're going to be coming right back after a one-song break, and when we do, we're going to begin our discussion about the importance of beauty and aesthetics from a decidedly Christian point of view. Warp and Woof Radio on RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. Mm -hmm. Glad to be with you today, Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckle, Harold H.B. Bell, spinning tunes behind us, cool jazz. Uh, Thankful to be here at 2131 East 10th Street in the urban core of Indianapolis, right across the street from the Bonner Center. Uh, Thankful ever so much for this opportunity. So, uh, Dr. Clyde, we have this wonderful opportunity to talk about some really interesting things quite frankly things that uh, we don't talk about enough i don't know don't think so uh the issue of beauty and um aesthetics from a christian point of view so when you're thinking about these kinds of ideas and you're excited about this kind of subjects subject why don't you tell us from your vantage point as a lecturer as a professor as a pastor uh what what is your first thought what are your first uh, inklings about these ideas well, just about how magnificent god is and how um, he has so um, shared his splendor with with humanity. You know, God is 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 uh, the only true and living God, and he could have created uh, the world without it being so, if, if you if you will, splendiferous, just <laughs> just just arrayed mm. with such uh, in such a kaleidoscopic scheme. Man, you're throwing some what, big words out here, no, David. No. <laughs> what, 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 what that tells us is that God is God is in, Himself is interested in splendor. Mm-hmm. That that He that He prefers uh, beauty. That, yes. he, that that He likes the look that, mm-hmm. that, that He that, that He has created, and, and and that and that how how His creations are presented matters to Him. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. He made um, four footed beasts. Several. Mm. What we, we, we've given them, Adam has given them all names, mm. but he made the zebra with stripes, mm. and and then the antelope with 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 horns, and and then horses of all different colors. Now, I, now we know we're talking about aesthetics today, mm. but the greatest the greatest beauty is holiness. Mm. It's internal. We know that. We don't we don't want our our, our listeners uh, to think we 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 we. we mean anything different we're just talking about external mm-hmm. and aesthetic aesthetics uh, today so the greatest the bible teaches us in, in psalm that the, we should worship the lord in the beauty of his holiness mm. but but how god has arrayed the trees mm-hmm. and 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 the and great places like yellowstone mm. or or a national park or just, just you know, some of the great places in Florida, mm. you know, the, the keys and just how beautiful they are, the great, mm. the barrier reefs and uh, the stars at night tells me that God uh, desires his creations to 
have a certain splendor mm -hmm. and magnificence to them. And each of those creations is actually, uh, as the psalmist says, is actually praising God. Absolutely. Uh, having a voice, as it were. Yes. And the voice is through its beauty. Right. Each and individual thing's beauty. Absolutely. And so there was a narrative. God was, God was saying something to the creation, but also through the creation. Yes. You know, uh, th th and so there's a voice. And, and, and that's, that's deep. Yeah, it is. That, yeah, the, that, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. This, this uh, concept that comes out of Scripture uh, is very clear that if, uh, as Jesus once said, if uh, his disciples didn't say anything, the rocks would have to cry that's, out. That's right. So when you stop to think about rocks speaking, uh, you know that there's something going on because all the rest of it's pretty clear. You know, you've got uh, the stars, as Dr. Posley as well suggested, uh, the naturalistic emphasis that he've, he's uh, uh, pointed out in various directions. This is a fantastic discussion because it relates to all of life and the very things that have uh, established it from the beginning uh, through God and his creation. Um, there's something I just point this out to people if you're ever interested for those of you, you, those of you in the Christian school movement and perhaps those of you outside the Christian school movement might be interested in this. I've done an awful lot of writing for Christian school uh, venues. Uh, if you'd like to go to Curriculum Track and that's spelled T-R-A-K, uh, Curriculum Track, you can go there and find uh, some of the things that I've written there in Faith Learning Integration, one of which has to do with fine arts. And one of the ideas that I come across there with is uh, derivatives of the name create. Uh, and so I've said there, the creator created creatures who creatively create from creation. I'll say that one more time for our listeners. The creator created creatures who creatively create from creation. So we have been given the opportunity mm -hmm. to create as well, and the creator has given us that right. ability. Right. I, I, I think uh, th there is a, uh, uh, an author, uh, uh, Sink Mahali, uh, that, that talks about, he, he, he is, um, he is uh, one of the forefathers of creativity studies. Now, he is not a theologian. And uh, he is not writing, his writings are not from a perspective, a Christian perspective. But he does talk about the human mind and how uh, intrinsically it is within us. He, he doesn't come out and say God did it, mm -hmm. but it is within us mm. to be creative. Mm. One of the things about uh, creativity uh, that he discusses is that everything that has been created has a means to communicate with its environment. Oh, I like that. Now, just because we don't understand, you mentioned earlier, I thought about that when, when you mentioned uh, that, that God can cause the rocks to cry mm -hmm. out. Yeah, that infers that rocks have some ability, not just that God has the power to do it, but that rocks have within them yes. some ability to set forth. Yes. And in that instance, it's God saying, I'll cause them to praise me. <laughs> and so what that says right. is that every that suggests mm. that every creation has some means to communicate. Mm. If you look at if you look at um, all of um, and Holy Spirit just put on my heart, our heart to say this. That's one difference between humans and other creations. Um, other creations uh, like animals that live outside, they, they feed off of their environment. Mm -hmm. They communicate their, and, and learn to focus their well, uh, handle, navigate their well-being through instinct, mm -hmm. which is just basically hearing what the environment is saying to you, mm. what your atmosphere is saying. Mm. Humans control the instinct, mm. can control the uh, atmosphere. Yes. We, like Jesus got off the boat. He spoke to the atmosphere. Yes. Well, 
you know, birds and dogs and cats and horses, they make their decisions based on the language that they understand, mm -hmm. you know, from, um, uh, you know, th th their environment. And so, getting back to my point, you know, I, I think that everything, grass speaks to weeds. <laughs> I think I think leaves speak to grass. Mm. I think the branches, the leaves tell the birds what's what's safe. Mm. I, if, if, if you, there are certain animals that will never go around another animal uh, and then there are other animals who will never try to eat a certain animal. I think all animals, all of God's creation has a language mm. that speaks to its environment and its environment speaks to it. Mm. You sound like your C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, oh, man. I don't know about that. I just, <laughs> you know, this 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 whole creation thing is just. I, I think Christians have to be in tune with it. Yeah. And, and and without without letting the secular world cause you cause you to be just simply a naturalist. Right. That, That's my opinion. I, and I appreciate your opinion. I agree with it. I think uh, just this little comment going in a different direction, but along the same lines, is that the other day in a class I was talking about autism. And this, this subject came up, and uh, the students were asking about the difficulty of it and how to understand it and all of these kinds of things. And um, one of the things that I suggested to my class was that autism uh, or people who are on the spectrum of autism are, have now been hired by businesses because businesses right. are seeing the benefit of people who think differently than they do. Exactly. And I don't mean think abnormally or think in a way that is uh, that is uh, difficult but I mean just differently and so if business leaders are saying this and they're saying hey we need uh, people with, on the autistic spectrum wow mm -hmm. what does that tell the rest of us Absolutely. that we ought to get our act together and, uh, and you know um, and I can't, I can't um, remember this author uh, Dr. Echo so many years ago like like some of the things we, we learned in school we, we in uh, in seminary or, or doctoral programs, yeah. it's just been so long ago. Yeah. You could go back and find it, but right. but 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 the brain. We only use about ten percent of our brain. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, 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 scientists and neurologists, you know, say that at the highest peaks, the humans, the, the, what, those who consider or consider to be the most intelligent or mm -hmm. the, have the highest IQs. Are using less than ten percent mm -hmm. of the brain's capacity mm -hmm. to function. Yeah. What that says is we don't know what's going on. What what, our, what the potential of the other ninety percent is. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that's and that is huge. So could we? And this is just we're just talking about God's creation and the mm -hmm. beauty of it. Uh, could we communicate? Is is there a mechanism to communicate with Adam? Did Adam communicate mm -hmm. with with um, um, animals? Yes. He was able to communicate with animals. We we, we know that. Um, uh, we, we don't want to get this is this is further than we want to go. Uh, but but Eve had a conversation with a with a serpent. Mm -hmm. We don't do that, right? Did she do it with her mind? Mm -hmm. Did did what we we believe the Bible? Yeah. And I believe that the Bible. I believe the Bible when it says that that serpent communicated to her. And she communicated to him. Mm -hmm. There's a creation. There's some kind of language that we don't do today. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's man. I, this is this is a major. It a is major, major topic. This expands our horizons in ways that uh, you know we really didn't even plan for in the sense of preparation, even for this discussion this morning. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but let me take this a little bit further and, and say that this segues, segues into science uh, fiction uh, novels as well as into science fiction movies. And movies and novels uh, suggest this kind of idea that, in fact, uh, people are trying to expand their abilities in terms of how, how much can we expand our brain right. opportunities. And so the only way for this to happen, the only possibility for us, is to uh, do this through, through science fiction. That's the only opportunity right. we have. And we're not replacing theology with it. But no. We, but we, we have to push, we have to reach somehow. Yes. We have to expand, the, and, and when we don't abandon our, epistemolog our epistemological uh, embrace on scripture as our root. Right. And we won't, and we won't, but, but we have to push it. Yes. You know, that's why, as we talked the other day, science and theology are friends. That's right. And, and people need to hear us say that. We, we're not, we're not, science and theology are friends. Yes. And all the way through, everything that we talk about on this particular show uh, comes from a distinctively, decidedly Christian vantage point. Uh, very clearly theological, because as theologians, that's how we're going to approach our subject areas. But every single subject we engage is the same kind of idea. That is that we truly believe that we as Christians should be engaging all of the culture. Right. Exactly. Should be engaging everything exactly. that's out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it does not... It does, I believe God has a truth. God is the truth mm. in every genre. Mm. Absolutely. So when we talk about the famous phrase that comes out of uh, places like Aquinas, for instance, that all truth is God's truth. That's right. Uh, and Augustine uh, said the same thing. All kinds of uh, church leaders of the past have been saying this, and we just echo those same kinds of sentiments, that all truth uh, is uh, God's truth, that right. everything that we know and have around us and, and is something that's reliable and testable and credible, we know comes from the one who has made all things. Right. If, if you consider... Just, let's just look back a hundred years ago or fifty years ago. The thought that we could get a um, some of the shots we can get now, oh, yeah. some of the medicines, mm. some of the herbs that are used to heal our bodies, mm -hmm. uh, space travel. Yeah, uh, oh, you know, uh, under, understanding uh, yeah. the the what ink can be used for from from an octopus, <laughs> you know, or or. Or the benefits of, of plankton, mm. you know, or, or, or the value of the coral reef. Mm -hmm. These are all. Well, these were all one-time science would out, would be science fiction uh, reaches. Yes, that are realities now. They're, they're almost uh, staples. Or if not, I don't know if it's a staple, but they're just cornerstones now of our society. That we certain things that we thought would just just never ever be. Someone had to push the envelope mm -hmm. and believe that there is a truth in this yes. for the benefit of humanity, and it's all from God's creation. And that's probably a good place to uh, actually take a break uh, here if uh, we can do that uh, one-song break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue our discussion on the issue of art uh, from a decidedly Christian theological perspective. Uh, you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. One song, we'll be right back. Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. 
And we come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon at uh, the urban core of Indianapolis, 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center. Uh, Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel, we're really gl glad to be with you here today. And uh, in this next 15 minutes or so, uh, before our guest uh, comes in, J. Scott McElroy comes in to discuss creativity in the church and his view of aesthetics, we want to deal with uh, something that, you know, quite frankly, not many people actually talk about. And that is that if God created all things, there is no such thing as a brute fact. So let's, uh, as uh, Dr. Clyde said earlier, let's riff on that. Uh, from your vantage point, when you think about uh, the fact that there are no brute facts if God had created all things, where do you go with that? Well, it, 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 it weakens, first of all, it, it, it weakens any other argument that there is a truth that is sustainable apart from God. And so uh, when, when we consider that, that the most provable uh, reality or the most provable truths are God's, then what it does is weaken any, 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 um, any, any argument against the sustainability of, of God's truth. Give, give, uh, let's give one example. We can, uh, botanist can say the whatever they would like about the origin of a flower. Or scientists can talk about carbon rings all they would like. Uh, God alone and his creations are the only proof, has his own proof, shall I say, of his own truth. But every botanist or every scientist that has any other theory has to rely on God's creation mm -hmm. to prove his or her theory, yep. which takes us back to the reality that God's proof and evidence right. was here to prove his truth yeah. before. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I'm tracking right there with you. So the bottom line is you cannot practice the scientific method, which everybody knows begins with observation. You cannot start observation, first of all, unless you have an ordered universe right. because you have a consistency that's resident right. embedded within the universe itself. Right. And then you have to go back and ask the question, well, where order come from? And, of course, we understand from a Christian point of view that the order comes from the orderly creator of the universe. And that's where everything comes from. Right, right. We, 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 you, you cannot, which, which, which destroys the Darwin, Darwinian concept in my mind. Yes. You, 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 um, if you kick out intelligent design, mm -hmm. if you kick out the fact that God, not just a smart existence, but God created everything. Um, you first of all, you, you can't do that. But 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 secondly, if if you try and defend any argument against creation, against the the biblical creation, if you try to uh, destroy any argument against the the biblical archaeology, you don't have external evidence, in my opinion to fight the evidence that God has. Mm -hmm. And so, in any argument, if you and I were lawyers, for example, and you're defending one case and I'm defending another, you can't, it's not a strong argument to try to use my evidence against you. You need to have evidence of your own mm -hmm. that, that refutes what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. That's a winning argument. Yeah. No archaeologist, not in history, no, 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 no history, Carl Ball said the same thing. Uh, he, he's a creationist. No, um, no anthropologist in history 
has created or, or found any evidence that can refute the evidence that uh, of what the Bible says mm. about God and creation. Mm. The issue That's of, a major statement. Yeah, it is. When you stop to think about the kinds of things that people are saying around us today, uh, we understand that uh, you come at all of what you come at from a, a decidedly assumption point of view. You actually believe things going into any kind of argument or any kind of dialogue with right. anybody. And so I think it's important that everybody just be honest about that because we're actually coming at this from a decidedly Christian point of view, thinking about these things from a theological vantage point. So when you think, let's say, for instance, let's just take some examples of this. When we talk about color or musical notes or words, uh, all of these things uh, have their essence, their origin uh, in the creation, the fact that there's harmony mm -hmm. or the opportunity for wholeness or any kind of interconnection in terms of consciousness, all of these ideas, if you just take consciousness for a moment. If you take consciousness or believe that people are conscious, that is, able to interact in the reality of this world, where did that come from? And the ultimate issue that we face uh, as people in this world is origins and ends. Mm -hmm. Origins tell us where we come from, ends tell us where we're going to, and those two things, origins and ends, tell us how to live now. Right. We know where we're going to. If we, know, if we think that there's a judgment after this life, it might behoove us that we actually live life in a certain way. And if there's an origin to this life, that is that there's a truth out there outside of us, wow, we might actually have an authority above us. Absolutely. That, you know, and, and God, in, in my view, was speaking to Job about the very thing you're talking about. Yes. When, when, when he, but he also uh, gave us something to expand upon later. When he asked Job this simple question, mm. where were you? Yes, that's right. Where were you when I set the stars in motion? I'm paraphrasing. Uh, when I hewned out the mountains, when I you know, created the seas, mm -hmm. where were you? He's talking to the most righteous man on earth at the time. Mm. And, and so indirectly, he's telling the most right, the man who understands um, God better than any human alive, that even with all of your personal holiness, mm. knowledge of me should still guide you above your own understanding of righteousness. Mm. That's wow. a, Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic idea. And, of course, going back to the book of Job is a great place to go in terms of the authority of creation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it always fascinates me, you know, when people talk about uh, the issue of Job and we, we bring him into the discussion because the real uh, interest there uh, throughout those, uh, the interaction between Job and God is that Job asks one question. He says, God, why has this happened to me? Mm -hmm. And God's response is 68 questions in Hebrew. 68 questions. So Job asks one question, and he gets 68 back. Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine being under the pummeling of, of the questioning that would be coming from, from, directly from God. Directly from God. Yes. So, and all of the questions, by the way, have to do with creation. Right. Hey, if you don't understand Absolutely. what's going on right around you, how in the world do you think you're going to understand me? That's major. That's major. That, that was God's response to Job's mm. suffering and, mm. and a, a desire yes. to know why he was going through what he was going through. God brings up the, the discussion of his preeminence. Mm. And yeah. his, and his, and that, 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 I've never thought about that from that perspective. When we think about uh, the issue of Job, too, uh, so just something else, kind of like a sidebar in a conversation or in an article someplace, um, many Old Testament scholars believe that Job is the oldest book 
uh, written. That is the first book before Genesis. And if that's true, and I find this an absolutely fascinating idea, if it's true that Job is the oldest book, then God gets out of the way the most difficult question in life, and that is why do bad things happen to good people? And if that's the case, then God addresses that issue right up front First of all, he says, by asking questions, look, you're never going to know because that's outside your pay grade or way above it. And secondly, if you, don't, if you can't fully comprehend creation, why in the world do you think you're going to comprehend the purpose and manifestation of God's providence right. in the world? Right. There's just so many avenues in that statement you just made. You, you, you spoke, I believe, as to one of the reasons why it's so hard for some people to come to Christ. Mm. Because they're still struggling with the creation story. Yes, that's right. Yeah, if you if you because if you stuck, you still struggle with the creation story. You're going to struggle with the with the original sin. Right. Yeah. And so we were having a discussion, a couple of us uh, around a table the other day, uh, a friend of mine, uh, and as we were having this discussion, one of the points of issue was the issue of origins. And I I said to my friend, look, I know that you and I disagree about the issues of origins. And I get that, but what happens is that we both agree on the consequences, that is the good behavior that we expect of people after that. Um, And of course, from a Christian vantage point, we understand that the only real way that you can say anything is good is if you have a source for that good, and that source has to come from outside of humanity. That's right. So those kinds of issues, I think, are are huge for us. And so when we talk about the issue of beauty and aesthetics, this can take us in so many different directions. The beauty of ethics, for instance. How can ethics be beautiful? Uh, That is, how can we say that right and wrong are good things and that people actually should be following good things? Uh, That's Mm -hmm. a a crucial concern for us. And, of course, the Mm -hmm. whole point of this show, Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14, do good, do good, do good. Our very issue of doing good is beautiful, not only in God's sight but in people's sight all around us. People want to see goodness. Man, I'm sitting there. I'm just. I'm thinking about all the places that, you know, we can go with, with that statement. Mm. When, when you bring up ethics mm. and and good and good and creation, mm. what what is the responsibility? And this I'm just throwing. Yeah, sure. What is the responsibility of man to his environment mm. in lieu of his theological commitment to theology and mm. the and, and the right, his right position mm. with God. Yes. How should we treat the sea? Yeah. How should we treat the air? Right. How should we treat the trees? Mm-hmm. You know, how, how should we treat animals? That's right. You know, and 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 so there's the, the there's the whole that that's a that's that's a major subject because and um, I, 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 I would dare say that humanism controls humanistic perspectives control the, that thinking more. Than theological yeah. uh, perspective, and that's you know frankly unfortunate because yeah. the Christians uh, ought to be on the front edge of all of these kinds of uh, discussion points. Exactly. Let's go back once again to Genesis because Genesis is important here. Uh, go back to Genesis two nine, for instance, where God says that I have made the trees good for food, mm-hmm. but also pleasing to the eye. Mm-hmm. So the idea that food is a utility that is we of necessity need to eat. But food is also beautiful. Beautiful. Right. Beautiful. And that's and a crucial. That's right. Yes. So when we go out to eat, for instance, uh, and somebody plates the food in such a way that makes it attractive to us mm. to eat, that is even a reflection mm. of how the food itself 
can be made beautiful so as to be attractive even to our eating of it. Uh, so even these kinds of issues, as Dr. Clyde and I are discussing, issues of the creation, or many people refer to it as the environment, right. trees and animals. Creation stewardship is what, is what we, we've gotten into discussion about. Creation stewardship. Yes. And as you have said, the church, the body of Christ, the believers should be on the front edge leading the march as to what we can do mm -hmm. to, to best steward God's creation. Yeah. So last week we had Larry Smith on, for instance, from the Tobias Leadership Center. And one of the uh, things, one of the many things we discussed, that podcast will be coming out uh, here in the next couple of days. One of the many things we discussed was how many different fellows they have coming into this program from around the uh, world, actually. And they all do so many different kinds of things. So you've got people there, for instance, that want to make the world a beautiful place that is environmentally friendly. Now, of course, we know that the only place that can really happen uh, from a, a political, cultural point of view isn't a free society. Only free societies actually care about these things. If you're in a totalitarian society, the only thing that... Uh, uh, totalitarian societies really care about is their Potemkin villages. Uh, sorry, that's a political reference to uh, to the old Soviet Union and their ability to make things look really nice, put up a nice facade, uh, so that people think that things are well, but indeed behind the facade things are really bad. But and none, nonetheless, the whole point of our discussion here has to do with issues of how does creation demonstrate the beauty uh, of God around us. Mm -hmm. And we're concerned about that. We are, we, we are concerned, and, and we better be, because our the, God has tied us together with our environment, with all of creation. He want, and so that means God wants us to continue to, to not only subdue the earth, but he wants us to continue to be blessed. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, just to switch gears a second, how, how a beautiful day and beautiful trees and blue oceans and all of, and all of these aesthetics are things that we as humans run to to feel better. Ah. Have you noticed wow, that? Wow, yeah, that's a great you point. Know, when yeah. you want to be romantic uh, with your wife or with your girlfriend, you go on a nice picnic out in the beautiful yeah. atmosphere. When you want to relax, you go, you go to the beach around beautiful uh, When you want to cool off, and relax and another way you get in a pool. All of these things that God has created, we better make sure that we keep ourselves in a position to be great stewards of these creations, not only because it's mm. right, but it, it speaks it to our mental health mm. and our emotional mm. calming. Mm. That's a fascinating idea. You know, you're right. I, off air, for those of you listening live on radio, uh, Dr. Clyde and I were talking about uh, what should we handle in the second part of our uh, discussion here this morning. And uh, Dr. Posey said, I just like it when we riff. And we have riffed in ways that we really didn't even plan on. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this is huge. I mean, uh, if you think of a great vacation spot. Yeah. For you know, well, Again, we go to vacation spots to relax, to calm, you know, ease our minds. Florida comes to mind, and they just had a vote last night, and one of the commercials on one of the stations was about the coastline being polluted very bad and changing some of the waters of the coastline to a different color. I don't want to get into why they said that. That's irrelevant. The point is, um, so we have one of our greatest vacation spots becoming less of a beautiful vacation mm -hmm. spot. 
that doesn't make me feel good. When I heard that, I'm like, no, I like Florida. I love going to Florida. You know, we, we have to be as... God gave us the... He created these beautiful spots and gave them to us. We have to be very mindful that we don't destroy things that give us comfort because we don't want to become a society that runs out of godly comforts. Mm. And I'll tell you what, whoever is elected... Uh, whoever is elected uh, to governorship here in Florida uh, better be hearing Dr. Clyde Posley's words here. This is an important idea. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break, in fact, two uh, song break. We're going to get some pictures taken here from uh, J. Scott McElroy, who just entered our studio uh, with Dr. Clyde Posley and myself, H.B. Bell, of course, uh, running sound and producing for us and uh, all of the good music and things that uh, come out of cool jazz. But when we come back, J. Scott McElroy will be with us. We'll be discussing aesthetics and beauty from a decidedly Christian point of view in the church and uh, the emphasis that he brings through the new restoration movement and all the good work that he's doing mm. in and around Indianapolis as well as throughout the world. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon, and uh, this is uh, a great opportunity every single week to bring in cultural leaders from around Indianapolis uh, to tell us about the things that they're doing which are good in Indianapolis, Titus 3, 1, 8, and 14. Uh, here we have uh, to, with us today J. Scott McElroy, who's written a very important book, Creative Church Handbook, and we're grateful for his presence today. Thanks so much for joining us, Scott. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're grateful for your presence, uh, Dr. Clyde Posley, myself. Uh, so as we always do with all of uh, the folks who uh, attend our way, uh, we're just interested in you giving us a general introduction to yourself. So tell us a little about yourself, your family, your church, what you do in and around Indianapolis. Well, I've been here most of my life. lived in Chicago for about five years, but um, spent most of my uh professional career in radio hmm. so worked for ms communications for 20 years and um i've been a christian since i was nine years old so okay a long time got saved through the ministry of campus crusade okay which is now crew um and uh, i've had quite a journey through uh fundamentalist to prosperity gospel to kind of a charismatic evangelical okay uh so i've 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 seen a lot, mm. and I feel like that helps me with an understanding of, of where the church is coming from. Right. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my family. Um, I have a grown daughter. She's she's 28. Just moved back from Cincinnati. Mm. She and her husband are living in our house right now. She, oh, nice. She went to art school there. Okay. And um, she's got a job at the art center. And Great. My son is uh, at Ivy Tech. Okay. So Very my good. wife is an esthetician, so she's oh. kind of uh, in the arts. She does... Um, uh, artful skin care. Oh, yes. wow. That's pretty important stuff. Yeah, yeah it is. Well, uh, you know, we have invited you here to talk about creativity, beauty, and aesthetics uh, from the church's point of view. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's let's just start off by discussing what those words might mean to people and specifically what they mean to you. you right. So kind of give us a, a backdrop to uh, what those words mean. Sure. Creativity, aesthetics, and beauty. Uh, you know, you, you you can't separate those things from God. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, the church over time has often tried to control uh, the mystery mm -hmm. and, the, and sometimes the beauty of God, um, especially with the Protestant Reformation and, and uh, kind of where that took us in, in certain ways, a lot of ways correct, but mm -hmm. in, in certain ways um, disconnecting from the mystery and mm -hmm. the beauty and, and, and 
sort of and the aesthetics. So uh, what I think God is doing right now and has been doing for a while is bringing those things back into the church. Mm. Uh, we went through a, a long period of time where uh, I think maybe in the 60s through probably the 80s, there was a real theology of um, Jesus is coming back at any moment, and mm-hmm. therefore we must get as many people saved as we can. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a there wasn't a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so beauty and creativity and things like that really didn't have a place mm-hmm. in in the church because the, it was so urgent, you mm-hmm. know, that Jesus was coming back. I lived through that time. Mm-hmm. I made decisions and choices based on that of not doing things and doing mm-hmm. other things. But I think we're coming back to it, and Jesus is still coming back at mm-hmm. any point. But I think we're coming back to a point where we can live as as whole people mm-hmm. and and enjoy all the things that that God has um, done in this world to show Himself. Mm. And one of the biggest things is how creative He is, mm. and it's even what we could term as wasteful creativity. You know, <laughs> I mean, you look at the at the, <laughs> the Hubble telescope, what that has discovered mm. for us in the last twenty years. Mm the gas and dust out there that is so beautiful um, but has no purpose except just to entertain God mm-hmm. and us now. Mm-hmm. So uh, that kind of, a, that should give us a cue. You know mm. I mean? He didn't make the clouds so that they write John 3.16 every day right. at 2.15. You know, for the, <laughs> he made them so that they change constantly and we uh-huh. wonder at them and we say, can't fully understand this, but yeah. I know this is reflecting God mm. instead of it being something totally utilitarian. So yeah. I think it's it's important for us to understand these things that He's given us to enjoy and and, uh, and start embracing them more in the church. Mm-hmm. We had uh, discussed in the first hour the this issue of uh, Genesis two nine that God made the food good good food or the trees good for food, but also pleasing to the eye. And uh, one of the things, of course, that's lost on the church is this very issue. Um, and I just wanted to pick up on your comment about uh, the Reformation. And uh, I think Dr. Clyde and I would fully agree with this, that one of the things that's really lost on Protestants is beauty and creativity. And quite frankly, um, when, you, when we stop to think about what the Catholic Church brings to creativity and beauty uh, based on transcendence, uh, you know, when you go to Notre Dame, for instance, or you see any really any great old Catholic church here in uh, Indianapolis or any place, you see all of the directions pointing up, all of the spires, all of the flying buttresses are flying uh, pointing up. I just like saying the phrase "flying buttresses," by the way, just so you know. But anyway, uh, nonetheless, uh, this is an important idea that we we get the transcendence right. So. <laughs> When we talk about uh, the issues for the, the Protestant church, uh, where do you see the things that really need to change from your vantage point in the church today, evangelical Protestantism? Yeah, you know, I think we, since architecture is, is, uh, is still an important thing, but it's, it's become more expensive and, and uh, not as much a part of a church's vision um, as it was years ago. Mm. Uh, especially for the Protestant church. I think we need to start where we are, with, which is with our people. Okay. And, and uh, helping people to connect to creativity. And um, I talk about that a lot in the book, about how um, creativity isn't just a good idea, and the arts aren't just a good idea to have in the church and make it beautiful or whatever. They, create, they, they connect it uh, ourselves, even the average person who doesn't think that they're creative. They connect us with God mm. and who God made us to be. Mm. So I think we start with 
um, helping just the average person in the congregation discover their creativity and discover how they can collaborate with God. And by discovering their creativity, mm. I don't mean how they can make things out of clay or crafts mm. or something like that. I mean how they can collaborate with God in their daily life creatively by just simply saying, God, what, what are you wanting mm. me to do in this situation? And then even if it doesn't you know, make logical sense, I mean, obviously, if it's, if it's against something biblical, then you mm. don't want to go with it. But and, and 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 as a side note, honing your ability to hear God's voice is part of uh, the key to this pathway of creating creating churches. Mm. Teaching our people how to hear God's voice is is part of the path of that. But um, yeah, just simply asking God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Mm. How can I interact with this person? Or mm. what is there some kind of thing that you would want me to do that I wouldn't normally think of? Mm-hmm. That's creativity. Mm. That is creativity. Just making making choices is a creative thing. It's mm. something that everybody does every day. So how can we help our people in the church mm. understand that and then live that kind of a lifestyle? And then uh, artists and makers, people who uh, imagine things and then kind of bring it into the world, mm. help us along that path too and stretch us more. And like what you're saying, those things like the flying buttresses and the spires and things like that are meant to draw our eye up to God, mm. meant to draw us yes. uh, physically. And that's yes. one thing that we also, I could go off on that, but the whole <laughs> physical aspect of of us as 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 Christians, mm-hmm. uh, we've neglected that to a lot mm-hmm. of extent. Jesus, of course, put an exclamation point on you are physical beings when he gave us the Eucharist and said, remember that you're eating my flesh, drinking my blood every time you do this. Mm-hmm. So um, he wants us to remember that we're physical and, and art helps us do that because it takes physical material, turns us toward God and becomes, some, becomes something even, even more through that. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So all of us... Wow in some way or another can be creative in whatever we do. Absolutely. Yes, we are all creative and we are designed to be creative in collaboration with God in whatever it is that he's, whether you're a plumber, you can Mm. ask him for what, God, what should I do with this particular problem? Mm. And he will give you ideas as you listen. Mm. And it doesn't matter what you do. Mm. One of my, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just, I was just thinking as a part of Living out, being in the, being created in the likeness and image of God, we should, be, we are created. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just as as, as uh, 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 Scott is saying here, we just need to ask God to cause us to to express it. Mm-hmm. We don't have to ask Him to make us creative. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he, we are, that, which is what right. I'm, I'm, I'm concurring with, 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 with right. what Scott is saying. Mm-hmm. We are that way, and our audience needs to hear that we are. Because God is. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It runs in the blood. It, it happens absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking as he was as he was talking as Scott was talking about how 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 self centered is the term I want to use. Uh, we have become as the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in a, how we make our temples now, our, our mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. You, you brought up. And I'll let you use the term. But uh, you brought up how how churches, how cathedrals have been made historically to focus and point toward God. You you started that conversation, Scott, by explaining that God cre- has created some things that we don't may, may not know the purpose for, but they are just spectacles yeah. designed to cause us to wonder at the creativity yes. and power of God. Yes. 
churches today, by and large, uh, you, and you gentlemen will probably, you know, consider this to be you know, a fact, are made more people-focused mm -hmm. to comfort the people, to make the people comfortable. And, and, and God is the God of all comfort. All comfort means even he wants us comfort in the sanctuary. But I, I can't help but to believe that, that the, the, the somewhat falling away in the body of Christ could be connected to how we have started to erect places of worship that are more about people's comfort mm. than God's praise. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. We're filling up sanctuaries so and making the people there more comfortable. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I, but the places where we're worshiping are not as focused on being a spectacle that points to God. Mm. That's big, man. Mm. And, and on that on that point, to that point, um, you take uh, the temple that was created. You know that God gave all the instructions mm -hmm. for the temple in the, in the, the Hebrew temple. Everything had a purpose. Everything mm -hmm. there pointed towards God. All, all the elements that Absolutely. were made. It, it, so even people, the material. Yeah, when people right. walked into that place, it was it was giving them a theology lesson yes. every time about and, and actually, you know, if you if you look at the world. You know, if you if you if you look at it from the right perspective, we're always getting a theology lesson from God. <laughs> but but we can make our churches, you know, more intentional with those with those right. theology. If lessons. we seek first the kingdom or God, yes, mm. and what we want, He'll add. He'll add. Yes. Mm. Just just quick note, don't get back to Scott. What you have to say is fascinating. Very quickly, I was in Chicago one time preaching at a church, and this is a Baptist church that uh, had been bought from a Hebrew congregation so it was laced in blue and every and I've I, I never seen a tapestry like that mm. and to your point of uh, a theology lesson so they took me on a tour when I got done preaching mm -hmm. the, the church had specific number of seats relative to the number of, of the tribes of Israel mm. uh, the, the church had colors and, and the and the jewels of the ephod in the walls, mm, right. you know, and, and, and the whole, and I had, it, it was a great, I think I was there to learn that. Mm. The sermon was okay. Yeah. <laughs> the sermon was yeah. okay. But it was a powerful thing for me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know that um, that's part of the Reformation was that, uh, you know, the Catholic Church held tradition um, very highly and, and symbolism and things like that. Um, and not the word so so highly. So the to the Protestants, obviously, were were uh, were hey we're going to be word mm -hmm. word based, mm -hmm. and so all this other stuff you know we don't need that. Interestingly, we we don't have a lot of connections with the Orthodox Church here in Indianapolis. There's just mm -hmm. not a whole lot going on, and it's a smaller um, group of group of folks. But they never um, had a, a, a disconnection from right. from those kinds of things, and they and their Theology is taught through what is going on in their ritual, mm -hmm. uh, and and they they feel like that's just as strong as as anything else. So, yes, um, it's very very interesting to look at what mm. at what they've done. Mm -hmm. Ritual itself can be testimony to artistic abilities, yes. and uh, again, to Dr. Clyde's point, uh, pointers. Uh, of transcendence uh, that's that's really powerful and important for us. So uh, tell us a little bit about your book because we want to make sure to give a, a shout out uh, to your book and to InterVarsity Press and uh, the good work uh, that this is doing for folks in the church. Sure. Um, the book is a Creative Church Handbook, Releasing the Power of the Arts in Your Congregation. 
And um, this really came out of uh, my first book was about uh, connecting artists. It's called Finding Divine Inspiration. Connecting mm-hmm. artists with God and helping them hear God's voice. And But as I got into that, he- helping artists hear God's voice and anyone hear God's voice, it just became clear that we had to be doing this in the church. Mm-hmm. And and so that was the next step. And, and um, I say in the book that, uh, you know, I've been dealing this, with this for a while and talking to pastors and leaders about um, the importance of this. And sometimes it's just like you get a glazed over look. It's like, well, in there going, okay, well, I don't know where this fits because I've, I've got, I don't have time for create, I don't have time for art. I got to get people saved. Right. I got right. I got a service I got to do every Sunday or three <laughs> services or five services. That's right. Um, so it's hard to, it's been hard to register, you know, that, that, hey, this is, this is really important. And I was getting actually, uh, uh, low after, even after I was writing this book about, I just don't know what the argument is, you know, that I, that mm-hmm. I, I tell these people. And I felt like he, he spoke to me one time during a retreat and whispered to me that what if the arts and creativity and beauty are essential for the maturity of the body of Christ? Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about that and asking other people about it, asking uh, creative leaders about it, and it really resonated. So I started exploring why are they essential? And, mm. and how, and so we talked about that a little bit about how God is creative, mm. and we can't get away from Him, but it also uh, from His creativity. But also, it's it's just uh, it's how He designed the ch- the church and the body of Christ, us as humans, but the body of Christ to move forward in creativity, and it, it kind of overflows in the making of things, and and it's it's our it's our. Um, expression towards him it's our expression of showing other people how how he is um mm-hmm. trying to help people envision how he is um these creative things that that we make and that we offer in our um, in our faith journey so mm-hmm. um, that doesn't fully explain the essentialness but it's kind of it's a complex yeah. um issue but uh i really believe that the church of the future is going to see creativity and see the arts as a natural way of teaching and people learning about mm. God. It's not going to be like, oh, we've got a special thing, a special dance happening this week, or a special person painting a picture, something like that. It's going to be, oh, well, it just makes sense to share this principle that God is giving us through dance mm-hmm. or through a painting, mm-hmm. because that's how we get it. You know, we just we get it like that. Instead of a novelty, I think 50 years from now, that church historians are going to look back and see this hole of 500 years or so of, of a lack of aesthetic beauty and creativity in, in visual art in the church and go, I don't really know what that was about. And they'll have a name for it probably, mm-hmm. you know, like the colorless time or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. But at some point, that oh, will be over. Because yeah. and, and, when we get to heaven, there's going to be no lack of visual um, mm celebration and, 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 and imagination. Mm. We and we're we just need to catch, catch mm. up with that to a certain extent. We're getting there. Every year we get a little bit closer, I think, in, in from what I'm seeing in doing um, arts ministry and, and trying to promote this across the country and the world, I'm seeing steps every year. Ten years ago, well, there there's a big difference from what it was ten mm. years ago. Mm. So 
This is fantastic discussion with J. Scott McElroy and uh, about his book, The Creative Church Handbook. And we're going to take a one-song break, but when we come back, this discussion is going to continue. Our focus is going to be, uh, as it has been since 10 o'clock this morning, on beauty and aesthetics, creativity. From a decidedly Christian point of view, Dr. Clyde and I talked about uh, the biblical vantage point in the first hour, and uh, Scott is here with us to share about his book, and about the kind of work that he's doing in the New Reformation movement. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Thanks for listening to us live. Those of you who are listening on earbuds in your offices, I know we have folks like that. Uh, folks who are actually watching us on Facebook or YouTube, we're grateful for your presence. And those, of course, who will pick us up later on on iTunes, uh, we'll be available there in the next hours. Uh, we have a great tech guy, Josh Collingwood. I always want to give a word to Josh. Thankful so much for the fact that I don't have to do any of that stuff. Uh, we are grateful for his service. And, of course, uh, for our producer, H.B. Bell, who takes care of all the behind-the-scenes uh, stuff for us as well. Uh, we're here with Dr. Clyde Posley, J. Scott McElroy, Dr. Mark Eckel. We're here to discuss the arts. And, uh, Dr. Clyde, you had a, a question that you wanted to put forward here to, uh, to Scott as we started the second section. Yeah, so, 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 so we were, we were uh, as, as you were, uh, just, there's the word of the day, riffing about how, how the, the arts and their role in the church, in the temple, and in the body of Christ, moreover. I wanted you to discuss what you mean by the word or the term arts in the congregation, yeah. arts in, 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 in the kingdom. Sure. Uh, if you could talk about the different arts that you mean when you say yeah. that. Yeah, people ask that a lot, and, mm. and I'm not excluding any art form okay. when I say that. That's good. So I, I think uh, you know, music, dance, um, uh, sculpting, uh, visual art, performance mm. art, any form of art can be done in and through the church mm -hmm. as ministry and as something that edifies the body. Why, why do you think that works? Why, why, why do you think that will enhance the Christianity or, or, or the Christian purpose? Yeah. I'll tell you one, one reason why is because as we've been talking about the Reformation and the emphasis on the word, the, the word and words, really, and you can take that to the Enlightenment too, you know, the emphasis on words and, and knowledge and information. Um, it doesn't get us there. It, that, that just abstract information mm -hmm. doesn't get us where, uh, with that real connection with God. We need concrete experiences mm -hmm. to really have our lives changed. Mm -hmm. and, and any of us can recount, you know, oh, that time when this thing happened to me or when I really finally realized through some experience that I had that that God loved me, something mm -hmm. like that. I've got, I talk about that in my first book where, where we were doing some, uh, we had an artist who was doing some drawings, some very large uh, black and white chalk drawings for um, different stories of the Bible. And uh, he put one up that was uh, Jesus and, uh, it would, no, it was, the, it was the father and the, and the prodigal son. And they were very close together, very close. I mean, it, they had, the, uh, the father was holding the son's, face and it looked like he was going to kiss him and when I, when I saw it I was repulsed by it I was like that's just too close and it was my my initial reaction but I kept going back and looking at that because it was hung in church mm -hmm. and finally God broke through to me mm -hmm. to, sh to, to let me know that how he loves me 
something that I'd heard for years, you know, that Jesus right. loves you and all that kind of stuff. But he loves me like that. Right. You know, like that that intimate love. So that's just one example. But, um, you know, a, a good... Jesus did it. Je- Jesus, who is the Word. Yes. You, uh, as, as he expressed his, who he is, yeah. created imagery. Yes. And throughout the New Testament. Well, to, the, for the purpose of the explaining parables. what he's saying, the parables, exactly what I mean. The parables. He created image, yes. uh, which, is, which, is, which is art in, in the mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And there, you can call, there are art forms, simile and metaphor and, mm-hmm. and sure. anathema and thing, all those different things that mm-hmm. he involved, you know, using, the, using language, mm-hmm. he used art forms. Right. Um, but he did that in order to call. Our, the, the listeners' imaginations and our imaginations right. to activate our imaginations. Right. So we're thinking, oh, what we're seeing it all in our right. mind. Right. Right. And, and, and so we're having this experience. It's not just words. It activated our imaginations. It's kind of like an example that I got from um, mm. Greg Boyd who wrote this book about imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, uh, you know, th- we try to force all this information into us thinking that this is going to transform us, go to the next Mm -hmm. Bible study or something like that. Mm -hmm. The information will transform us. But it has to be that concrete experience with with what the information is talking about that will really change us. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, an an example would be um, if I I told you about my wife, I said, you know, she's 5'3", she's blonde, she's an esthetician, she likes this, she likes that. I would give you this abstract information about her. And you might forget about it. You might forget any, everything that I said. But if you meet her, if I bring her in here and you shake her hand, you have a concrete experience with her, it will all connect. And you will now know, you will be able to call that back up in your imagination. And you will know what my wife looks like mm-hmm. and how she is. So the arts help us have these concrete experiences mm-hmm. with our feelings, with our emotions, mm-hmm. With our in our space, mm. you know. I mean, dance, you know, moves. There's there's air moving. There's mm. there's space. You know, it's physical. So, uh, God never meant us to be without these concrete, physical, emotional, mental experiences. He built them into our faith. You mm. know, into and 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 so we need to find out how can we pursue those along with the word. Yes. Uh, in our churches. Okay, so you've just kind of broadened the scope here for wow. us theologically. <laughs> and as soon as you mention the word concrete, okay, now we got to go for the incarnation. So it's pretty obvious that we're not just talking about this abstract God who lives in heaven and uh, shouts with a megaphone all his words that he wants us to know. We've said along uh, all along that, yes, we're committed to the word, and yes, Jesus is the word, and we could go on. However, if there is no concrete demonstration of the word, yes. then that's all we ever have. Yep. Talk to us about how you interact with the importance of the incarnation and the arts. Yeah. Well, and we only have you know fifteen minutes left. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, well, from my my limited knowledge of of uh, how I can talk about it, um, it's obviously the incarnation. Is is uh, was one event, you know, God becoming present in a human body, Jesus. Um, but I believe that uh, incarnational events, like in, like the incarnation, mm-hmm. are happening all the time. All the time. Yeah. So so what you know, God living in us mm-hmm. is incarnational. Yes. Um, and 
man, just think about that for a second. That's exactly. Amazing. This is a, what's happening right here is incarnational. Right. Right. We're sitting with each other. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have, and that's, and actually you can circle that right back around to the beauty of collaborating with God in our creativity mm. because he is, he is involved in this. He, the Holy Spirit is here activating this conversation and activating us, you know, like my heart is burning right now. You mm. know? So, so I'm having a physical reaction, you know, to the Holy Spirit being present in us all this. I thought you were sick there for a second. Your heart was pretty sorry. I, I'm, I'm with you now. Um, but but the arts are really incarnational mm-hmm. because uh, that they, they we are in through making them we are inviting uh, God to come into the material and activate it and for it to become something bigger than it was. It's not just the material anymore. It's God's spirit working through the material. Mm-hmm. So Talking to so, us. So, yes. Mm. And so it's it's another demonstration of the incarnation. Jesus didn't want us to forget the incarnation. He said, do the Eucharist in remembrance of me. Remember it all the time. Mm. Remember it all the time. The physical, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood, you know, thing <laughs> that happened. <laughs> So, so, so the, the arts are simply another way for us to remember that so that central point of Jesus indwelling God indwelling a human body and the incarnation. Mm. So, I mean, if, if if that to me is one, points to one of the reasons why the arts and creativity are essential mm. in the church. We have to be we need to be reminded of that constantly that incarnational aspect. Of the life that we live and and here on earth and what Jesus did mm. for us. Okay, so I've got to toss this over to Dr. Posley and say, um, every Sunday when you're preaching and you are creating with words, is is that is that a manifestation of incarnational theology? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I I I, I think that. That the very process that uh, Scott just talked about is re- the Holy Spirit reenacts every Sunday morning in every gospel preacher. There you go. That's I, I believe that. I, I believe that we embody the, the Holy Spirit is in us. The Comforter is in us to speak to our regenerated spirit, so that we can mm. live out and and bear out that word in a way that's relatable to people. In a way that they, as humans, can connect to another human. Okay, so I got to say this because this is something that every pastor is going to appreciate. Okay, Clyde, you're going to love this. All okay. right. I think one of the the great sadnesses and to, and to me, aesthetic injustices of all of life, is that every single Sunday, parishioners come to hear a sermon, which is a new work of art every single week. And they expect something different. They expect something new. But who, in God's good creation, creates a new work of art every single week, which expands from 30 minutes to 60 minutes and more? I mean, I just got to give it up to all the preachers around because, you know, quite frankly, that's, that to me is something that parishioners need to recognize, that preaching itself is a work of art. It, it's, it's absolutely. It, it, and, and it is... It is a work of art at the hand of God mm-hmm. because you have these treasures, this art, yeah. 
carried by an earthen vessel, mm -hmm. which is flawed and cracked. Mm. And it has been subject to a week of being a human. Mm. Kept trying, but yet in the process of, of trying to create a masterpiece to the best of human ability mm -hmm. that God's got to finish on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and here's an awesome thing, uh, Dr. Eckler. When it's done, if the Bible was adhered to, it's perfect. Mm, wow. If Scott preaches it, if you preach it, if HB, if, 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 when God is done, it's perfect. How can mm. you say that? Because God is the one who is doing the preaching. Mm. I didn't like that sermon today. If, would God, if a person used that Bible, it is a masterpiece. Mm. Because God can take it and make it, anything in the hand of God becomes a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's really fantastic stuff. The the idea that uh, our responsibility, of course, is to the one who made us, and that perfection actually comes through that. So, that's right. so Scott, let's talk about the the very specific issue that uh, folks like Dr. Posley and myself are are concerned about. I'm sure you are as well, and that is the next generation of artists, the next generation of the church, the next generation of people who are going to be talking about these kinds of things. How are you, how should we all participate in developing the next generation of creative people? Wow. Well, a uh, couple of points. The first, the first point is that um, I think there's a, there's a possibility, I think we've seen it, we see it right now, of getting this, this thing wrong and thinking that we need to make it happen ourselves and that uh, we have to come up with programs and, and, and things like that to mm. carry this out. Um, I think that also is uh, goes up parallel with a performance mentality that has entered into the church that mm. um, that is that can be dangerous. Mm. And I think that when we sometimes so sometimes when people will hear me talking about the arts and creativity in the church, they're thinking that they need a better performance in mm -hmm. the church. They need better music, or they need better lighting, or something like that. And that's not what I'm talking about. Yes, there is the there is the um, craft and the art of making things better, and there's no there's no problem with having excellence. But I don't think that God gave us these things for us to be entertained. I think He gave us for us to be to interact with them. Mm. So how can we how can we find ways that people can interact? You know, if I go to a church, a mega church or something. And they've got the best praise band up there in there, and the lights are all dark, and there's lights and you know on the sides and stuff like that. But nobody's singing along. Mm. Then that for me that's missed it. I, I'm, because this this is not about <laughs> this is not about some amazing folks doing Christianity in some wit crazy great way that are examples that you know that oh that you know are going to inspire us and stuff. It's about us doing Christianity in collaboration with God. Mm. And that, and so we're looking for ways that the arts can help us can help us do that. We're thinking about instead of making more performance in the church, we're start we're thinking about more ways that we can have inter that we can interact with each other, that we can activate the individual Christians' imagination and let them give something, contribute mm. something. So that's that's part of what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, one of the things that came up in a class I was teaching yesterday at IUPUI was uh, uh, I, some of the students said, well, what did you think about what we wrote? So they had essays to write and so on. 
And I said, one of the things I learned about you, and I've been learning about this particular generation, um, is that this particular generation is thoroughly an emotive. Uh, they are feelings-based. Right. They thoroughly are engaged with, um, this is not just what I think, but this is how I feel at the moment. Right. And that should be preeminent. And, and this, right. this is really something for, coming from this particular generation. Yeah. What was fascinating to me about that uh, was that they were the ones that instigated the question. And they wanted to know what I thought of that. Mm -hmm. And so I said to them, you know, it's pretty obvious that you're committed to the emotion. But now I have to ask the question, are you committed to thoughtfulness? Yes. Are you committed to inquiry, which, what, by the way, is one of the words in the title of the course, mm -hmm. right. reading, writing, and inquiry. So speak to that issue about how do we... Uh, make that interconnectivity between emotion and uh, what we might consider to be rational thought. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a deep one. Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> professors. You know, you're sitting between two professors here. That's Sorry. one of those questions you have to read it like three times before you can answer <laughs> properly. Uh, I, you know, I, first I, I I acknowledge what you say about about young folks and if you look at how they've grown up you know with Facebook and with interactive things they are they're involved you know in mm -hmm. in uh, in whatever in their life you know or at least they feel like they mm -hmm. are you know they feel like they can register their emotions where they are what they're doing who they're with all that all the um, time and so that you know for me that's not the reason why we need to make the arts interactive in the church but it's just that society happens to be coming along you know, at, at the same time when mm -hmm. we're realizing that. So, can you say your question one more time? Well, how, how is the interconnection between emotion and rational thought? And how should Christians think, not just think properly, uh, but also emote properly yeah. and do it as best we can together? Yeah. You know, can we bring these things and synergize them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that there's, I think that there's a, a balance there. Um, in the Protestant Church, we've you know we've negated emotion a, mm. a lot, mm -hmm. and um, I remember yeah. tracks. You know that a track that actually Campus Crusade used to use a track. I think it was where there was a the, there's the train and the the caboose is your emotions, and it never yes. never rules things, which is true. But it also has a tendency to say, well, your emotions don't matter. Right. Um, but the Psalms show us that yes, your emotions do matter. In fact. Um, uh, they can be prophetic words. <laughs> and mm. Jesus, you know, put an exclamation point on that when he repeated some of the crazy things that David was saying in, I think, uh, Psalm 22, on the cross. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he repeated it on the cross, where, mm. where David was just, like, expressing himself, That's you right. know, in crazy ways. Mm. Um, Elijah's word. Right, mm. right. So, so God, so our emotions are given to us for a reason, and we, and and they could be drawn out by the arts, and I think that they have, they do have a place in our, in our worship and in our lives. Um, I think that uh, rational thought. Again, I would have to read your question. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Reminds me of my master's program. Um, uh, I think that I had an example, and maybe it. Maybe it just went away. Maybe you can ask a little bit. That's more. okay. So the, the issue, I think, for all of us is, and I think we would all agree to this, that we're whole people and that we should yes. be concerned about the wholeness of our person yeah. and not just simply about pieces and parts. So your example of the, the, uh, 
the track is, is a beautiful example because it really does get to the issue of segmenting out yes. pieces and parts. Yes. And we don't want to do that. We want to understand that people are, are suffused with not only thoughtfulness but also emotion. Yeah. All of us yeah. is whole. If, if, if I may, you know, along in the lines of what we're saying, we are in the throes, not just with young people, we are in the throes today of a society where as media aesthetics are ruling a way in a, like never before in America. Right, right. Uh, uh, images, words, phrases are, are, are driving uh, political views and even to some degree uh, can be said either drawing in the church or influencing the church to the church influencing um, these things scriptorally. What I'd like to ask you, and I know we, 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 we're pretty close to being done, what I'd like to ask you to discuss is, is how the church can create imaging or, or use arts to keep us centered yeah. on what our mission is more than anything. Yeah, that's, that's a big question. Um, well, Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know that, um, I mean, it's become... It's becoming worse with the media and with um, social media in particular because not only is it just you know pandering to emotions, but there is science and effort and research going into how to get those, the reality. how to get those reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think um, first of all, we we probably need to talk to our people about about that. You right. know, we need to talk to them about what is reality and what is what is. Uh, yeah, what is being manipulated, right. you know, for for um, financial gain in a right. lot in a lot of cases. But uh, I think that we are missing some opportunities to um, create images that uh, that really do express things in the in the proper way. In and I've been working on a project recently. Um, as more disasters and crises and school shootings and things like that have been coming up, and I'm sitting in church and. And I'm hearing people go, well, the world just needs Jesus. More evidence the world needs Jesus. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, there's a way that we need to be addressing this, and we can do it with the arts in the church. And, and so I'm working on a, a book right now that would be like a, a disaster arts ministry handbook, basically helping wow. churches understand when, and having, having artists at the ready who can interpret what God would be saying oh, in the situation. Word. So so what so what if you know when there's a school shooting instead of us just going the world needs Jesus man it's just so bad out there mm. what if we had a spoken word artist or a dancer in the church mm -mm -mm. who could pray and say God what do you want to say how do you want us to intercede for this mm. and then have them use their art to lead us in intercession in feeling in really connecting what's happening mm. in the physical world Instead of remaining in this abstract, you know, God's going to do something some way, He's going to get me out of here at some point, thinking. So I think that this is another way that the arts can connect us with reality and help us make forms of art that are redemptive, that are intercessory, and that are real. And here's where we actually have to cut it off for today, unfortunately. But I have to say uh, that we need to connect you with Neil Cox 
Uh, Neil is one of those people around town who is actually committed to the the connection of disaster relief from a Christian point of view. Uh, and you guys need to meet because he meet. would be all over this issue. I've never heard anybody say what you just said. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> J. Scott McElroy's uh, newest project is going to be how to intersect with disasters, with huge human concerns and traumas, and how we can respond as Christians. Uh, this has been a fantastic discussion. Thanks, Scott, ever so much for being with us today. You're welcome. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we have been enjoying having you here, and, and Dr. Clyde and I are just uh, thrilled again. Once again, holding this book up for everybody to see, uh, Creative Church Handbook. For those of you uh, Facebook Live, here you go. Uh, we want to make sure to push that out. J. Scott McElroy, uh, Creative Church Handbook. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And uh, next week, we are going to have another great guest to talk about other good things that are happening in and around Indianapolis. And until that time, uh, we'll see you next week.